You are listening to Word, a weekly word from the world's bestseller. Amichai Lau Lavi's New Bible Blog, a Jcast Network production. To subscribe to this blog, to read this blog, and to learn more about Amichai Lau Lavi, please visit amichai.me. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Here's the weekly word, another password to the riddles of our lives. This week's word is mask, masicha. The weekly Torah text is kitisa. Purim was fantastic in Jerusalem. I made my own lion mask from strips of leather to wear at one of the parties and dance unknown. It turned out to be a bit more scary than sexy. But it was an important lesson. Another version of me peeped through the eyes, rougher and raw, scary. Something here needed to be explored and worked out. And it turns out it wasn't just me. Behind the collective mask of Purim in Israel this year, a terrible face was revealed again. A racist, hateful, ancient, aggressive Jew. Now that the hangover is over and the masks are put away, the truth, as painful as it is, demands the clarity of sober reflection. What lurks below the surface is dangerous and very real. I'll deal with my own shadow work in therapy, but the greater collective shadow looms larger and troubling. What's beneath the masks? It started on Shabbat, before Purim, as Sarah Rose became a bat mitzvah. At a small makeshift Orthodox congregation, she chanted from the Torah scroll at a separate reading for women only, and I peeked from the back. She was smiling and confident in an Oscar-worthy purple dress, voicing the words that are reserved for this annual pre-Purim reminder, annihilate the memory of Amalek, do not forget. As is the custom, everybody rose to their feet when she started chanting, committed by law to remembrance of the mortal enemy of yore and to its demise. The biblical narrative about Amalek, that obscure Semitic tribe that attacked the fleeing Hebrews from Egypt for no apparent reason, is later linked to Haman and the long historical legacy of anti-Semitism and persecutions. Never forget came way before the Holocaust, a tribal war cry that gave our ancestors perspective and sometimes hope. For many centuries, as our people suffered as minorities, power, revenge, and annihilation of the other were but a matter of collective fantasy. On Purim, venting the steam, we let loose our fear and hate of other with every round of guagar. But now, we got power. And with each Purim, I wonder about the role of this old war cry and the price we pay for its presence in our lives as we stand up to retell this story year after year. So I stayed seated, uncomfortable with this built-in obligation to fear and destroy. I get the sacred luggage of memory, the value of honoring our past, including pain. Yes, we have to be watchful and not delirious and hippie-ish, peace at all costs, defeatists. But somehow this Torah, along with with a brutal Purim Megillah, brings up something really old and, I think, wrong. I don't think it's our real truth. I think it's some terrible mask that we forgot to take off many, many, many years ago. But not everybody thinks so. For many, this time of year, the biblical commandment to destroy another race is translated into racist violence. This poor remark, the 19th anniversary of the massacre in Hebron, when Baruch Goldstein, an Israeli doctor, settler, and member of the far-right Kach movement, shot dead 29 unarmed Palestinian men who were praying at the cave of the patriarchs. 
His suicide note made it clear that he was motivated by the Purim command to blot out Amalek, which he, and now many more, identified as Arabs or Palestinians. I can say with certainty that Purim 94 changed my life. It did so for many others. I realized on that day that underneath the frivolity of the carnival and the joy of community celebration hide our biggest skeletons and secrets waiting for an honest face-to-face for encounters with our own most often repressed violence. Not so repressed anymore. This past Sunday night in Tel Aviv, a group of drunk youth in costumes attacked an Arabic man who was on duty cleaning the streets. He was beaten with glass bottles and rushed to the hospital. The next day in Jerusalem, an Arab woman was attacked in broad daylight by a few drunk Jewish women and other bystanders back from a pouring party. Her head covering was ripped off amid slurs and beatings. No masks were worn at either attack, but everybody involved in it was wearing one if they liked it or not. Arab, Jew, victim, other, threat, fear. The attackers didn't see people. They saw masks, cartoons, Amalek. The attacked saw attackers who attacked for no reason. Amalek, below the masks, were totally the same. And that's the problem with masks. They only reveal a fraction of the truth. And the truth is that we are all connected in many more ways than we can imagine. And those who act out violence do so because they are deluded, because they see the outer so-called masks of separation and miss the bigger picture of connection over and over again. Look, we've been here before in mask mentality. It happened when we, as Jews, created, as a nascent nation, our first collective mask. This week's Torah text, the Hebrew yearn for leadership, for security in God. In the absence of this comfort, they create a substitute deity, confuse it with a greater abstract. The golden calf, our first communal Jewish project turned false idol, is referred to in these verses, according to some translation, as the calf mask. Exodus 32.4, Aaron made it a mask of a calf, and the people said, This is your God, Israel. Masks can be a problem when they blur the face of truth and create alienation. The golden calf became a problem because it was a mask that obscured the faceless face of mystery, divine, found in every living thing within the eyes of each and every person. Instead of unifying, it created alienation. I get the urge that got the Hebrews to dance around the calf, the hallucination that gave them security. It's real. It's precious. I get the need of people to strengthen sense of self by demonizing other. But masks are not to be confused with what's real. And it's dangerous. And we sometimes need to wear the mask in order to remember what we really look like from within and what we are truly. Us is always one. That's the message of Purim. I took off my lion mask when it was no longer who I yearned to be that night. Our larger masks, fears and scars that have defined our very essence are more difficult to remove. But maybe we can pause, take a long look in the mirror with mask on before packing it away for another year with these news of beatings in our face. And we know that we have work to do and what to heal so that this does not happen again and that young girls in party frocks may chant another version of our story on the days they come of age. And what we choose to remember are not just fears of what happened, but that we are truly connected and we can have the courage to love. Shabbat Shalom.